Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with a prologue. Chapter 6 was full of firsts. Nocte's first time speaking, his first flight with Sebastian, and Seb's first time claiming a life. In this episode, Chapter 7, Seb and Nocte finally meet the Orin. Let's dive in. Vivin's pace was quick. If they hurried, they could reach the camp before nightfall. Thankfully, Sebastian was nearly the same height as him and could easily keep up with his long stride. He was glad they took the time to train and allow Nocte to grow. The tamers in his group were friendly, but they trained hard and would show little mercy, even to a new tamer. Nocte was still smaller than Kaylee, but his color had finally developed fully, with gorgeous gemstone flecks covering his scales, warm topaz, blazing ruby, verdant emerald, cool sapphire, and others. When he reached his final size, he would be one of the most unique and impressive dragons in the sky. Sebastian continued to be subdued and somewhat drawn over the last couple of days, and Vivian was worried about how he would integrate with the group. The Orin were not a quiet bunch by any means. This is my kind of walk, Seb smiled, and Vivian realized he had them speed walking. How would you feel about flying into the camp? He asked, impatient to be home. It's a bit of a dramatic entrance. The young man shrugged. We can do whatever you want. You know how much I love riding. It's settled then. If we fly after lunch, we should make it there by 2.30. Why don't we start flying now? Nocte shouldn't be flying for any more than 30 minutes at a time with a tamer on his back at this size. Just like dogs and horses, if you push a dragon too far while it's young, it will detriment their health later on. Nocte's strong. He can handle 45 minutes at least. We're in no rush, Vivin deterred him. I'd beg to differ, Seb grumbled under his breath, about to break a sweat. The land opened up. They had since passed through another bustling town and a forest loomed in the near distance. The ground was fairly flat. It sloped so slightly that it was barely noticeable. Fields of young, green barley stretched on either side of the dirt road. Nocte was with Kaylee somewhere, hidden from plain view. Perhaps they were already at the impending forest. Carriage drivers passed now and again, eyeing the pair of men curiously. Several asked if they needed a lift, to which they politely declined. Nestled inside of the forest ahead of them was a beautiful valley, the Preistruo Valley. The Orin's camp overlooked the valley from a precipitous cliff. There were no roads to access the camp. Their dragons could perch on the cliff if they needed a quick escape. It was known that the Orin had their base there, but since it was nestled deep in the dense forest, the exact location was widely unknown. It was safe for the young tamer and his dragon to grow there. No one would bother them, or vice versa. Bandits steer clear to the forest, knowing the watchful eye of the Orin was ever-present. Nocte and Kaylee collected their tamers at the edge of the forest. There weren't many clearings this side of the valley for them to stop in otherwise, so it would be a solid 30-minute ride at least. Nocte was up to the challenge, raising his painted wings proudly. Kaylee's pace was similar to Vivin's, eager and unyielding. Nocte followed her without complaint. He had to work hard since he was smaller than her, but she was carrying a heavier load. The forest below was lush and mixed wood, with dappled shades of green showing the variety. The pink dragon banked to the left at a wide angle, 
and Nocte followed closely. They landed on a cliff and Vivin jumped off of his saddle. Seb slid from Nocte's shoulders and gave him an appreciative pat. There were several log buildings around the man-made clearing and a large fire pit with wooden benches less than 20 feet from them. Seb helped Vivin unfasten Kaylee's saddle in the bags and they set them aside. Go on, show Nocte the caves. Vivin patted her bare back. The dragon set off, gliding down over the trees. Hey, someone shouted. Startled, Seb turned around and saw a young woman with a broad smile on her face approaching them. Alice was his first guess. She walked right up to Vivin and said, Ah, oh, Vivi, you're so fluffy. She rubbed his short black beard with a laugh. Vivin took her hands with a soft smirk and nodded to Seb. You must be the new tamer. Look at you, you're so young. She held out her hand with a bright smile. Alice Wrightsmith, it's a pleasure to meet you. Sebastian took her hand and suppressed a laugh at her startling grip. Sebastian Allor, the pleasure's all mine. Alice had a pretty face with clear skin and blue eyes. Her long, light brown hair was braided loosely. She wore worn leather pants and a short sleeve shirt with a sword on her belt. Yet, she acted too friendly to be a warrior. The others gathered around hurriedly, with two men tailing the rest. One threw his arm around the other man, looked Seb up and down, and said, You've made a mistake, Vivin. He's too pretty for us. Without a flicker of hesitation or a flush of red to his cheeks, Seb replied, I prefer to be called beautiful, but that's all right. He smiled laughingly, and Vivin felt a sense of relief as the group chuckled. Maybe Sebastian would be all right after all. All right, you lot. This is Sebastian Allor, and he'll be joining us for a while until his dragon is tamed. Alice took the reins and introduced him. Vivin didn't seem to mind. He's 16, and his dragon is two months, so play nice. Hey, Vivin, what's that thing on your face? The man next to the one who's teased Seb asked. I forgot my shaving kit, okay? I didn't think I would be gone for so long. Vivin scratched his beard since the very thought of it made it itch. Leave it to Vivin to go off on a reconnaissance mission for a week and return a month later, the other man teased. The group laughed again and Vivin sighed. I'm getting rid of it as soon as you're introduced, and I've already apologized for you two. He raised an eyebrow at the two young men. Zan and Griff, right? Seb spoke up. Vivin nodded. But who is whom? One queried. Your Zan, Seb said to the dark-haired twin. And your Griff. The other man had sandy brown hair. Which makes you Kirik, he said to a slightly older man with dirty blonde hair. And you Garday. He looked at the dark-skinned man who nodded. And your Summer and Oraini. Seb finished with the only other women of the Orin. Spot on, Arani applauded. I don't know who that is, though. Seb looked past them and they turned. A young woman with curly blonde hair walked toward them shyly. That's Shiloh. Sommer, who also had shining blonde hair, said. My niece. Does that mean... Vivin started and was cut short with a tackle to the back of his knees. Hi, Vivin! A little girl had snuck around behind Alice and grabbed his legs. Hello, Sadie. Vivin picked her up and took a few subconscious steps away from the cliff, 
Look at how big you've gotten. I'm six now. The sweet little girl beamed. She had wavy blonde hair and tan skin and wore a blue dress. Only six? I'd put you at eight or nine at least. Vivin used a special tone when he spoke to her. Sadie giggled, her hands on his shoulder. Seb watched the exchange curiously. Vivin lost any threatening quality he might have had after the conversation with his team and the little girl. Now that you've met everyone, I'll give you a quick tour of the valley. I just have to speak to Alice for a moment, Vivin said to Seb. Zan and Griff, could you show him to his bunk, please? He put Sadie down, and she ran over to Summer. The brothers nodded, and Sebastian picked up his rucksack. Meet me back here in a moment, Seb. The team dispersed, and Sebastian walked over to the twins. Zan took his bag for him, and Griff put an arm around Seb's shoulder, gesturing with his other hand as he spoke. Did you miss us? Alice smiled sheepishly at Vivin. Oh, always. Though, now I'm never going to leave camp without my shaving kit again. He grinned, and Alice touched his beard gently. I like it. It suits you. She withdrew her hand and asked, So, how's the new kid? He's fine. He's a bit quiet and reserved, but I have that effect on people. Alice laughed and shook her head. How's this taming? He's used to riding, obviously. He's a natural by all accounts. I've been practicing swordsmanship with him, and he's a quick learner. Sounds like he'll make a good tamer, Alice mused. Vivin paused. I'd say he's already a good tamer. He has the potential to be an excellent one. It's a good thing I found him when I did, because we've been ambushed by bandits twice since we met. How'd he handle them? Alice asked instantly with genuine interest. He has his reservations about certain things. Alice understood and thumbed her lip thoughtfully. Hey, Alice! Kirik shouted urgently and pointed to the cliff. Her navy blue feathered dragon sat perched on the edge of the cliff and Sebastian was standing in front of her. Ember was by no means a friendly dragon, and she was more likely to rip Seb's arm off than let herself be stroked. Both Vivin and Alice immediately sprang forward, then stopped dead. Seb stepped forward and offered his palms to her, and after a moment of hesitation, she butted her head against his chest. Sebastian laughed and caressed her shapely head, holding it up so he could look at her eyes. The camp was absolutely silent. The wind could be heard rustling through the trees, and that was all. Sebastian whispered to the dragon as he stroked her, fawning over her. She said she incinerated the last person who approached her. That's a little harsh. Seb took his eyes away from the dragon and saw that Vivin and Alice were staring at him and realized how quiet the camp was. He instantly took a wary step away from the dragon. What? She did incinerate the last person, Alice said slowly. She couldn't believe her eyes. The young tamer looked over the large dragon thoughtfully. He shrugged and stepped toward the dragon again, and every other tamer took a sharp breath. Ember pressed her muzzle into his hand. She said she'd never hurt me, he murmured. Just now? Alice stiffened. Well, yeah, with that mind thing dragons do? Seb stroked Ember's glossy navy feathers gently. What? What do you mean? 
Alice said quietly, taking a cautious step toward them. Vivin said I only need to think what I want Nocte to hear and he'll hear it. It's the same with all dragons, right? Alice held her breath and shook her head. She shooed away Ember, who left the cliff reluctantly. Vox Draco, or the voice of the dragon, is something between a tamer and their dragon alone. Oh. Seb pursed his lips, puzzled. He recalled Vivin mentioning it in passing when Nocte first spoke. Well, Ember didn't seem to think so. Alice glanced over her shoulder at her co-captain worriedly. It was just a fluke. Vivin kept his voice low. Forget about it, he told the rest of the Oren, who had been staring at Seb with alarm and wonder. They turned away, confused and uncertain. Alice walked over to Vivin and whispered, We need to write to the council about this. You know what this means. Vivin shook his head adamantly. We don't need to involve them right now. Let's keep an eye on him and go from there. They looked over at Seb, who was standing with his hands in his pockets, whistling notes softly. He had no clue of the effect he had just had on his fellow tamers. He was given a proper tour of the valley and camp. He saw the caves where Nocte was welcome to roost, and a lazy creek not too far from the base of the cliff. The camp itself had three log cabins for their sleeping quarters, a mess hall, and a bathhouse, and a washroom set further back in the woods. They had a small forge, picnic benches, and the fire pit on the edge of the camp. It was rustic yet homey, and Sebastian could see himself being happy there. The young man spent the rest of the afternoon in the mess hall going over paperwork with Vivin, which was sent to the council in the capital city, Imperior. They needed basic information, such as his name and hometown, his emergency contact, and his dragon's name and age. Seb had Vivin set his payroll to pay out to two locations. 90% of his pay sent to his mother, and 10 to himself. Are you sure that's what you want to do? Vivin asked carefully before having Sebastian sign the document. It's what I've always done. Seb signed off with neat cursive writing. I've been handling the finances for my household since I was 12. Most of my wages go to bills, and the rest I save. So, 10% is about right. Vivin watched Seb as he spoke. He was so terribly mature for a 16-year-old. His gaze was fixed and serious as he read over the pages, and he didn't have to ask Vivin to clarify anything. Necessity. That was it. Why Sebastian was as adult as he was. Vivin couldn't help wondering whether Seb took these responsibilities upon himself, or if he was forced to. Come on, boys! Alice swung open the door suddenly, making them both jump. Dinner's ready! Seb observed the banter at the meal curiously. They sat either at the picnic tables or around the glowing fire pit, whichever took their fancy. They had mountains of potatoes and carrots, and slow-roasted pheasants. The food was hearty and welcome after dozens of light meals on the road. Orani and Sommer explained that they usually caught whatever meat they had, but the vegetables and fruit were from local farmers. Sommer and Zan were the top hunters of the group and took turns going out early each morning to do so. Seb offered himself immediately. He only needed a bow and arrows. We keep all of our weapons stored in the back of the mess hall. It's more of a general purpose area, 
Summer explained, throwing a wing bone into the fire. There's books and cards in there for when it rains. We spend most nights out here for dinner, unless it's raining or winter. The valley is gorgeous covered in snow. You'll love it, Arani smiled kindly. I'm sure I will, Seb replied politely. Sadie sat at a picnic table between Alice and Vivin, with Kirik and Garde across from them. Zan sat next to Shiloh at another table, with Griff across from them. The conversations were light, and everyone seemed rather content. Sadie fidgeted where she sat, completely unfocused and disinterested in her dinner. The adults around the table were attempting to have a conversation, but the little girl squirmed and interrupted them frequently. No one seemed to mind. Eventually, Vivin picked her up and put her on his knee without breaking from what he was saying. Sadie ate from his plate with the innate lack of shame children possessed. Vivin wasn't bothered in the least, and neither was anyone else at the table. Is Sadie related to Vivin? Seb asked the women sitting on the bench next to him. Sommer shook her head. Sadie and Shiloh are both my nieces. She adores Vivin, though, and he's really amazing with her. She smiled after glancing at them. My sister lives near my hometown, Crescent Canyon. She sent me a letter a couple of years ago saying that bandits were getting a little too close to her town. But since that's far out of our region, there wasn't anything I could do. I was talking about it to Alice one day, and she said, why don't you bring her kids here until it's safe? So Shiloh and Sadie have stayed with us a few times since. She gazed into the fire, her tone soft. The Orin are more like family than anything else. I hope you'll be comfortable here with us, Seb. The young man smiled. As everyone was finishing their meals, Garde stood, impressively tall and muscular. Maybe even more so than Matthias. His dark skin shone in the setting sun. Summer, it's our turn. It was the first time Seb heard him speak. His voice was deep and gruff, with an accent he couldn't identify. Sommer cleared the plates and Garde said something like, I'll wash. He filled a metal basin with water heated by the fire and added soap in the dishes. This was part of the nightly routine then. Dinner together, then two people tackle the dishes. Seb asked Rainey to show him where the weapons were kept in the mess hall so he could take out a bow and arrow. She said as long as he kept it in good condition, they didn't mind if he kept it by his bunk. They had crossbows, longbows, recurves, Seb picked up a bow that looked similar to the one he had at home, and he took a quiver and arrows as well. He put them in his cabin and joined the others outside. Using Vox Draco, he checked in on his dragon, who was already trying to sleep. The bonfire near the edge of camp crackled and snapped, and night slowly fell. Sadie was told it was almost her bedtime. She instantly asked Vivin to tell them a story. The tamer sighed heavily and mumbled, I don't know. Please, 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 Sadie begged, sitting on her aunt's lap opposite the fire from him. Well, all right. Vivin conceded with a huff, and Sadie clapped her hands excitedly. The tamers quieted down, and he began. There once was, You gotta start the story with once upon a time, the little girl protested. Mm, my apologies. Once upon a time, there was a prudent young princess named Sarah, 
a dashing young man named Thomas, had been madly in love with her since they were children. But alas, he was not a nobleman, and Princess Sarah never so much as looked his way. Was Princess Sarah beautiful? Sadie piped. Of course! Big blue eyes and long black hair down to her waist. And of course she had wardrobes full of exquisite ball gowns. Sadie's eyes shone with glee, and Sebastian grinned at how different Vivian was from when they were traveling together. His voice was full of animation. Young Thomas was so in love with Princess Sarah that he left to fight for her in the war. He fought so bravely, he quickly became knighted, and now asked the lovely princess for her hand. But before the princess could answer, evil bandits breached the castle walls and took her away. No! Sadie cried, hanging on his every word as if her life depended on it. Sir Thomas jumped on his white, noble steed and chased after them. Vivian leapt to his feet and began to act the story out. Sir Thomas faced thirty-five men, all on his own. Vivian swished his hand around, pretending to handle a sword. The ladies giggled at him, and Seb hid a smile. He took them down, two at a time, and Sir Thomas won the battle, but not without wounds. Whilst on his steed with Princess Sarah, she kissed him lovingly, and his wounds disappeared like magic. Sir Thomas soon became known as King Thomas, and he and Queen Sarah were blessed with six sons and six daughters. Everyone lived happily ever after. The end. Vivian bowed at the Orn's enthusiastic applause. Zan mumbled some comment to his brother about the king and queen being busy bees, and Alice smacked his shoulder. Another one, Sadie encored. No more tonight, Missy. Sommer stood and Sadie slid off her lap. It's time for bed, so say goodnight. But how am I supposed to go to sleep after a story like that? Sadie exclaimed as she was led away. That was the best story ever. The adults laughed and Kirik praised. Well done, Vivian. None of our stories have been good enough for her. It's a gift. Vivian sat back down next to Alice with a smirk. It's all in the exaggeration he said. Children can't resist it, so it pays to be a bit silly. Maybe Seb should tell the story tomorrow night. Kirk pushed his wireframe glasses back to the bridge of his nose. All eyes turned to the young man and he shook his head with a faint blush. I'm no good at that kind of thing. You're here for training, aren't you? Alice teased. By the time you return home, you'll be the best storyteller for miles around. Seb stayed quiet and Griff elbowed him. My stories are the best, but I'm not allowed to share them. No one wants to hear your escapades with barmaids, Zan cried, exasperated. You mean hear them again, Griff pointed out, and the group laughed. But you've got to have some sacrificial offering to help keep us entertained, Seb. Don't bother him, Vivian chided. I'm not bothering him, I'm hazing him. It's a rite of passage. You guys play cards on rainy days, right? Seb spoke up. I'm half-decent at cards, and I don't mind dealing. Ooh, I like him already. Zan ruffled Seb's hair with a terse grin. The Orin laid off of the new tamer for the rest of the night, having enough mercy to humor his quiet personality. The next morning, Zan and Griff stumbled out of their cabin sleepily, they were usually the last to rise of the group, and today was no exception. Is Seb still sleeping? Vivian asked as they walked over to the picnic tables. Hmm, no, 
Griff yawned and scratched his stubble. Then, where is he? Vivin asked out loud. Maybe he went for a walk, Rainey suggested as the obvious answers were eliminated. Oh, he took a bow and quiver last night, so maybe he's hunting. On his first morning here? Vivin was doubtful. But sure enough, as they were discussing it, Nocte landed near the edge of the cliff. Seb hopped off, the quiver and arrows across his back. He hauled a white-tailed doe from the dip between Nocte's neck and back. He threw the motionless servid over his shoulder and walked over to them. Nocte flew from the cliff over the trees below. Morning, he greeted. I know I should have asked which game I'm allowed to hunt here, but I didn't want to pass her up. He kept the heavy creature over his shoulder, unsure of where to put her. There aren't any restrictions in the valley. I'll help you hang her up. Vivin inclined his head to the trees to his right, and they left the rest of the group. The tantalizing sense of breakfast wafted around the camp, and leftover potatoes were fried alongside quail eggs. Did you sleep all right? They stopped at a sturdy oak tree still within sight of the group, where the earth was stained dark with old blood. Vivin grabbed a length of rope from the base of the tree. Not really. Seb carried the doe to where Vivin had thrown the rope over a branch and held her up so Vivin could tie off her hind legs. Griff snores and I'm a bit of a light sleeper. You should have thrown something at him. Vivin secured the rope and began pulling the free end. I would have. Sebastian shrugged, uncomfortable with the idea since he didn't know Griff. Nocte was up early anyway, so we went for a short ride and he dropped me off a few kilometers from here to hunt. The doe twirled in the air as Vivin tied the working end of the rope around the tree trunk. Seb held her steady and slit her throat, and blood began to drain from the deer. We can gut and skin her after breakfast. We'll have to do it quickly. Rain is on its way. The sky had been grey since the first sign of dawn, and the clouds were growing darker. You may have to show off your card playing sooner than anticipated. Why not train all weather? Vimin started walking back towards the tables, and Seb followed. We're not in any particular rush, at the moment. He wasn't able to catch himself. He only realized what he had said after. Though I suppose you are. You want to train as quickly as possible to return to Deep Creek. Sebastian didn't reply. After breakfast, Seb and Vivin worked quickly to section the meat while the others cleaned up. They left most of the organs and unwanted parts on the ground under the oak tree for the first dragon who happened to spot the remains. The mess would be cleared away before the afternoon if the dragons caught wind of it. Full-grown dragons would eat every part of an animal, bones included, and if anything was left over, it was picked off by scavengers. The first drops fell as they carried the meat into the mess hall. Decks of cards were already on the long table, and lanterns were lit. The fireplace at the end of the hall had an empty hearth, with no need to light it on a summer day. Seb was saying to Vivin that they should consider building a smokehouse when the rest of the group filed in. Maybe that could be a project of yours, then. Gardet would probably help if you asked. Sebastian was about to reply when Zan called him over to the table. Come on, Mr. Dealer. Sadie sprawled out on the floor by the window with colored wax sticks and a sheet of parchment for drawing on. Shiloh sat at the table to play cards as well. Seb put her around his own age, but didn't think it appropriate to ask. They gave him three decks to shuffle, which he split into two. He stood while he shuffled the cards, filing them quickly and loosely without dropping a single card. Seb straightened the deck on the table and did an impressive rifle shuffle. 
Zan whistled next to him. Fancy. You must play a lot. Seb grinned. What else is a country boy supposed to do on a Saturday night? Griff replied instantly. His girlfriend. Zan laughed and Vivin shoved him on his way past. He sat down to Seb's left. Griff rubbed his shoulder and said, I always assumed country boys were out tipping cows. Seb smiled, shuffling the second deck. My friends and I have tried. You can't tip a cow. I think I'd have to try it for myself before believing that. Griff folded his arms across his chest. Everyone was relaxed. The rain was pouring so hard outside that they didn't feel guilty about staying in. Kirik asked if anyone mind if he lit his pipe, and Alice and Summer got a glass of water for everyone. They decided to play rummy since it was simple, and Seb gave everyone six cards. As he dealt them out, it was evident again that he was experienced playing cards. They shot out directly to each player without a single one flipping over. After the first few plays were made, conversation started up again. What's your weapon of choice, Seb? Orani asked. The young man blinked. Weapon? Oh, um, well, I've been doing some swordplay with Vivin, but other than that... That's normal, Orani nodded. We use a few different weapons here, and everyone specializes in something. I'm going to guess Vivin already told you that. He did, a little. Summer and I use pole arms. I like the halberd best. Alice and Vivin use swords. Zan and Griff use bucklers and swords. Garde uses a war axe, and Kirik uses a warhammer. So you have options. Garde with his hulking muscles could no doubt handle a war axe. Seb glanced at Kirik, who was smoking his pipe and peering at his cards over his glasses. He was rather wiry, but his shirt and vest were baggy. Perhaps he was stronger than Seb took him for. Most of those don't sound like they'd be of much use on a dragon, Seb pondered out loud. The Orin looked at Vivin. What? You think I taught him everything in two weeks? He laid his hand on the table. I told him that dragons are kept out of battles until necessary. So you use different weapons when you're on dragons. The tamers grinned. They had been told that he didn't have experience with dragons. Seb was very new to everything after all. You'll see, Seb, Vivin assured him. Rain lashed at the windows, and Sadie hummed to herself. Shiloh kept glancing over her cards at Sebastian, who was sat to the right and across from her. He was attractive and cool in the way that he didn't let the twins' comments bother him. He had snappy comebacks and a sweet smile that made the color rise in her cheeks. Every so often, he would brush his shaggy hair from his brow, drawing attention to his honey-brown eyes set against his fair skin. Her heart tugged as he flashed his smile again and laughed. Shiloh, you awake over there? Zan asked across from her. She flicked her pale green eyes over to the older man. His dark brown hair was still bedraggled, and he hadn't shaved for the best part of a week. He and Griff were attractive in their own teasing, immature way. Do you have a boyfriend? He asked, drawing a card from the stockpile. She hadn't been listening to any of the conversation, and wasn't expecting that question at all. No. She kept her answer simple. Well, you're about Seb's age, aren't you? Shiloh enjoyed where this conversation was going. Maybe you... I have a girlfriend. Seb cut him short and laid out four of a kind. So, let's not go there. Vivin smirked and Shiloh's hopes were instantly dashed. Sebastian had a way about him that she couldn't put her finger on. He didn't blush at Zan's comment like she did. He didn't stammer or waver in his response. 
He was just... cool. Sadie huffed from where she was laying on the floor. Is it going to stop raining soon? The tamers took a moment to listen to the pouring rain. Sorry, Sadie, Sommer called from across the room. It's an inside day today. Aww. Sebastian turned on the bench. Do you want to play cards? I'm not very good at this game, and I could use your help. A white lie, since he was winning. But I don't know how to play. Sadie sat up, her interest piqued. That's okay, I'll teach you. The little girl ran over in her yellow dress and white tights and pulled herself up onto the bench and onto Seb's lap. He adjusted her on his knee and held the cards in front of them. He told her to pull out the matching cards when it was their turn to play. After a couple of rounds, Sadie was chattering excitedly. Sebastian attributed their winning to her help. Hey, Alice. Seb leaned back on the bench and looked past Vivin's back. Alice poked her head around his shoulder. You're a lot more quiet than Vivin made you out to be. The Oren laughed, and Alice leaned forward on the bench, wrapping an arm around Vivin's shoulders roughly. Were you telling him that I'm loud and obnoxious? Because that's right. She beamed with a joyful laugh. Vivin's cheeks reddened, and he raised an eyebrow at Seb. The young man smiled and let Sadie hold their cards. After lunch, they cooked up some of Seb's venison. The men went to their cabins, and the ladies went to the bathhouse. Kirk took Sebastian back to his cabin that he shared with Vivin and Garday. Vivin was saying to Garday and I last night that you love to read. Garday isn't much of a reader. Kirk opened the cabin door, and they stepped inside. But he lets us use some of his space. Whoa, Seb murmured. Shelves lined the walls and were brimming with books. Books were even piled in stacks in the corners. All in all, the cabin was still tidier than the cabin Seb was staying in. You guys have read all of these? At least once each. Kirk grinned and fingered through the books on the shelf at the far side of the cabin. I'm going to lend you a few key texts on dragons to get you started, but after that, feel free to come in anytime and take what you please. Really? Sebastian took the three books Kirk handed him, still in awe. Thank you. Don't mention it. Kirk ran a hand through his short, disheveled blonde hair. You can repay us by rubbing off some of your civility on Xan and Griff. I'll try, but no promises. Seb smiled and headed out the door. He ran smack into Vivin, who held him at arm's length. Oh, he already showed you. Perfect. I know! I can't wait! Sebastian pressed the books against him as the rain poured. See you later! He ran over to his cabin and disappeared inside. Vivin shook his head with a grin and went to step inside the cabin again, only to be stopped by Alice. Hey. Hey, Vivin said. She had a towel over her shoulder, her hair soaking. Was she already finished in the bathhouse? Can I talk to you tomorrow? You can now. He went to open the door and she grabbed his sleeve. He stopped and gave her a curious look. Privately. Ember and I will meet you on the shadowed cliffs at first light. Vivian was intrigued, but he let her off with a nod. She turned to go, and he grabbed her arm this time. Wait, are you alright? She smiled at him. Of course, Vivi. And that's it for chapter 7 this week. 
We're leaving it on a literal cliffhanger. Thank you for supporting the podcast so far, and I hope you're enjoying it. If you are, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram. You can also visit the new Facebook page, a DTF podcast. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons.